Hello and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think, and please be sure to subscribe. While the industry continues to reel from the COVID-19 pandemic, we thought we would take a pause and get back to basics. How do meetings help us get things done? Whether hosting a gathering in person or from home, with five attendees or 5,000, there are some constants when it comes to making your event productive. That's the outlook of David Allen, productivity expert and author of Getting Things Done, who has introduced more than 2 million people to his approach to capturing and processing all the things one wants to complete in one's work and life and actually doing them. This is Alex Palmer, deputy editor of North Star Meetings Group. And on this episode of Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals, we speak with Alan about how to run meetings more effectively, clarifying the purpose of gatherings of all sizes, determining who is responsible for what, and ensuring that every event ends with actionable takeaways. He also talks about why there's magic in getting people together for face-to-face events. Note that this conversation took place several weeks before the coronavirus pandemic began to significantly disrupt the global meetings industry. But first, a message from our sponsor. Los Angeles is more than the entertainment capital of the world. It's also a place where meetings become magic where events break attendance records and planners become producers. The Los Angeles Tourism and Convention Board will help make your next event one you'll never forget. With hundreds of unique venues across the city and a local team of experts at your disposal, they will guide you from site selection to show-stopping finish. Learn more at meetla.com. That's meetla.com. Thanks so much, David, for joining us today. For those who aren't familiar with getting things done and its approach to time management and and productivity, maybe you can just kind of give a quick outline about sort of the overall approach that you advocate with GTD. Sure. Well, you can't manage time. You just manage your attention and your focus in terms of what you do during the time that you have. And over the last 35 years, I've just researched what are the best practices about how do we maintain focus? How do we give ourselves the space mentally and cognitively to focus on the most meaningful stuff and not be distracted? And so there's a set of best practices that I uncovered, discovered, have tested out, spent thousands of hours working with many thousands of people implementing this methodology and it works. It's a way to get your head clearer so you can focus on the more meaningful stuff. Pretty simple stuff, but you're not born doing it. They are practices that you actually need to to engage in that you don't necessarily do automatically, but they're not hard to do. Most people are doing these practices anyway. They're not like some foreign language or some different technology. The first thing that you need to do is start to recognize what has your attention and capture that. So there's a capture function. I need to write down what's on my mind. The reason it's on your mind is there's still, you know, things you haven't decided about it or organized about it so that it's not on cruise control yet. So the first step is really just recognizing what's on your mind. And your mind is a, is a really bad office, Alex. I discovered this more than 30 years ago. But the cognitive scientists in the last 10 or 15 years have now validated the fact that if you have, if you're trying to keep more than about four things in your head, you will lose track and not be able to then manage the priorities, the relationships between them, and you'll be tend to be driven by latest and loudest. So the first step is empty your head, get that stuff out of your head. 
write it down. And then the, you can't just leave it there. Otherwise, you just make a bunch of lists, and that doesn't necessarily help either. Then you need to move to step two, which is to clarify what you wrote down, what you've, what's got your attention. And the clarification step is, what do I need to do about the bank or mom's birthday or this tooth that hurts or hiring a vice president or the conference I got to organize? What's the very next action I need to take? And what's the final result? I get to mark all this off as done when what's true. So outcome and action thinking is part of step two. Step three, then, is capturing the results somewhere that you trust, some sort of organizational system that can keep track of the calls you need to make, the errands you need to run, the stuff you need to do at your computer, the emails you need to send, et cetera. And that's the organized step. So you captured, you clarified, then you've organized the results of your thinking and decision-making. And then step four is to step back and make sure you're looking at, the, at your errands list when you run errands. You're looking at the stuff you need to do at your computer. You're looking at your calendar to know where you need to be, where and when. And then step five is to make then when you engage, when you decide what to do and where to put your focus and attention, it's from a trusted place because you can see the whole game. And then you're making good, intuitive, intelligent choices instead of just being driven by latest and loudest. So that's a very simple sort of explanation of the best practices. And again, we're not born doing it. It's not hard to do. And most people are doing versions of that, but very few people are doing that completely and consistently. Yeah. And there's such a, a logic to those five steps once you really understand it and see it in that capture, clarify, organize, review, do kind of follow that. But yeah. what are some of the general reasons that folks don't kind of naturally do it? Or what do you sort of find to be kind of the major hurdles for, for people that are trying to get a handle on all their things they need to get done? Most people are just used to and addicted to the ambient anxiety that they're living in. So they don't know that there is a better place to operate from or they don't believe they could get there. So it's people's addiction to stress, frankly. Not like you're shooting up stress. It just means you're willing to tolerate having something banging around in your head. If I need cat food pops into your head more than once, you're inappropriately engaged with your cat. And the problem is, is cat food will show up just like write a business plan (laughs) at three o'clock in the morning. When you're sitting there trying to sleep and it wakes you up, oh, damn, uh, and you can't do anything about either one. When you're leaving stuff in your head, it's, again, a terrible office and tends to remind you of stuff at actually the wrong and inappropriate times and context. A lot of this has to do with just externalizing that, building a good, trusted external brain, if you will. Anybody listening to this, by the way, who manages a calendar already has decided their brain can't do it. You know, but the calendar only manages a very small portion of the commitments that you have. And so where are you keeping track of all the rest? Either your head's the place to hold stuff or it's not. It's hard to intellectually justify halfway in between. And as you're talking about these ideas of context and waking up in the middle of the night, remembering whether it's to pick up some cat food or to handle a, a, an event you're planning, the effectiveness comes with doing something when you actually are in that context when you can do it. And I, I think that applies in interesting ways to meetings. And obviously meetings get a bad rap for being time wasters. That's something uh, you often hear. Why do you think that is? Why do meetings generally get accused of, of being a place? That- well, most people haven't, you know, when I say most people, and there are certainly many exceptions to this, but most people haven't really trained themselves into outcome and action thinking. An outcome and action are the, essentially the reduction, the ultimate reduction, the zeros and ones of productivity. What are we trying to produce and how do we allocate or reallocate our resources to make that happen? But how many meetings are set up where people don't clarify what exactly we're trying to accomplish by what time today? 
And just by just that clarification of why you're in the meeting, what's the purpose of it, and by what time, oftentimes people then forget the by what time, we need to make sure we've made a decision or we need to make sure that we've generated options or we may need to make sure we've checked the status and you know whatever, whatever the purpose of the meeting is. And so, you know, by two o'clock, we want to make sure that everybody walks out of here feeling comfortable about where we are on X, Y, and Z. How many meetings do not do that? They're just meetings called for whatever reason. You know, we have a Monday meeting. Why? You know, unfortunately, a lot of the bad communications, the unconscious emails create the unconscious meetings that create unconscious emails that create unconscious meetings. And you're right. Emails and meetings are the biggest gripe of most executives that I've worked with and engage with in terms of wasting time, wasting energy, exhausting the resources of the company. And that's simply because they don't focus on what's the purpose of the meeting? Why are we there? Why am I being invited to this meeting? So the, the outcome part is often missing. And many times, even if they have an outcome, they're just, you know, the old Simon and Garfunkel dangling conversation. we talk we talk we have ideas we talk we talk we talk and everybody walks out sort of hoping they're not supposed to do anything but nobody clarified exactly what needs to happen based upon that and so the the rigor of then deciding okay what what did we decide what needs to happen what needs to be accomplished and what's the next step and who's got those you know who has them those are again often missing in meetings believe me if a meeting has a real clear outcome and there's a good reason that you understand why you need to be there and how to contribute. And the meeting and conversations in the meeting don't end without going, so what do we just decide? And, you know, what do we need to do, if anything, and who's got it? You know, and who has the ball on this? Either one of those missing is going to make for uh, terrible meetings. It's really a twofold uh, clarifying of both why are we here in the first place that should be specified when in the calendar invite itself and then at the end of the meeting. So what have we accomplished? What are the next actions? Sure. Especially when you're meeting about meetings, you know, right. <laughs> you know uh, that there's a whole lot because there's so many moving parts to managing a conference or whatever. I remember coaching someone in one of the major financial companies in, the, in New York City who had inherited the job of managing the associates conference, the annual associates conference. The last year it had burned everybody out because they were just last minute stuff. It was crazy. It was nuts. And this person had inherited the job and she said, see, David, I'd like to not have us all go crazy by the, you know, trying to organize this thing. And this was, you know, three or four or five months ahead of the event. And I said, well, great. Do you have a plan for the event? They said, yeah, yeah, we have a big, and she pulled out this big chart. I said, great. Uh, can we go through each one of those segments and see if there are any next actions that anybody could be doing right now about any of the moving parts? She said, hmm, well, that's interesting. And we spent about an hour going through this huge, complex plan, and she discovered all kinds of stuff that was not being moved on that could be moved on right then, as opposed to waiting to the last minute. A lot of it also has to do with not so much about the meeting itself, but about what are you doing in the meeting relative to any of these planning processes about what you're trying to arrange and what you're trying to manage and still running back to, well, wait a minute, what are the next actions? What are the moving parts of the stuff that we're here about? And, you know, how do we make sure we get uh, get a hold of those and get on top of those and have accountabilities about those 
right now. Yeah. And it brings up an interesting point where I've seen where meetings can sometimes be used almost as a a procrastination technique or a way of not making a decision on a next action. You can say, well, let's have a meeting next week about it. And a lot of these decisions that probably could be made, or at least actions identified ahead of that meeting uh, are delayed and just put off and become sort of part of this large cloud of discussion. And this comes back to Alex, the, the, the old, you know, typical good old stuff about good management call who owns the project who owns the meeting about it whenever two or more people are responsible nobody is so you know back to your point call well i maybe we should all get to get there and have a meeting about it because it's not happening or it needs to happen better or faster or we need to make sure that things are going right well great who's accountable for that because they're the people who need to determine the level of granularity how long the meeting needs to be who needs to be at that meeting and so oftentimes, the lack of clear ownership and accountability for their outcomes is what causes bad meetings. Los Angeles, a dynamic, ever-evolving city, ready to roll out the red carpet for meetings and events of any size. With access to a deep pool of thought leaders from cutting-edge industries and an array of only-in-L.A. venues, LA presents limitless possibilities that will keep attendees engaged and inspired. As destination experts, Los Angeles Tourism's personalized service ensures a seamless planning experience. Learn more at meetla.com. That's meetla.com. And during the meeting itself, I've seen that where maybe it's almost uncomfortable sometimes to really clarify who's doing what. They'll be like, well, this should get done. And that kind of gets thrown out as a general point. But then that next step of, okay, so who's going to do it sometimes can be a little uncomfortable. Why do you think that is that sometimes it's hard to really clarify? Well, you know, come on. Accountabilities are often very fuzzy and vague if they're there at all, which then causes that problem. You know, who's accountable for the end result here? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's an organization development issue. That's not a time management issue or you know product productivity issue. That's an OD issue. Who's who's accountable for this? What's the job description? Who needs to make sure that that conference happens well? Who is that? And then what has their attention about that? And then what needs to happen to get that off their mind? And so, oftentimes you have to back it back up to okay, who's whose is this? You know, who owns it? Otherwise, you won't have an answer to that question. One of the other concepts you talk about is that someday maybe a file or, or folder to keep ideas that maybe you're not ready to take action on now, but there's something down the line. That, I think, seems like it might have good application to meetings where, say, you're going off topic or there's an agenda you're trying to stick to, but somebody brings up maybe a, a genuinely really interesting idea, but you're not able to get to it then. How does that sort of come into play? Yeah, you know, it's the parking lot idea. It's like, hey, let's let's park that over here, but then need to reassess when do when should we re- reassess this? Maybe you don't have the resources yet. Maybe you don't have the time yet. Maybe it's kind of like a cool idea. If we get bandwidth to be able to do it, here's some cool things we might want to do. It's just again, who's accountable for pulling that back up and reassessing that? And each one of those may be quite different depending on what the idea is. And a lot of these points are there. It's very scalable. It's we've been talking about maybe more, you know, small scale meetings. But how how would it sort of dis- be distinct if you were, say, holding a company wide event or even a, a convention with thousands of attendees? How does it differ, or wh- what what's sort of the variation in how these are applied? These ideas. 
There's no variation. It's all the same stuff. You know, people are worried oftentimes that they get 100 or 200 emails a day. I can say, well, you should listen to your own head. How many thousands of thoughts do you have during the day? Emails are nothing compared to your own thinking. You know, so how complex is life? You know, and all the things you need to think about or could think about and, and the options and possibilities. By the time somebody, I'm sure, who's listening to this has the accountability and is in a job to manage those kind of big events, they already know the value of having those things organized, having a good chart of all the stuff that needs to get done and all the sub-projects that need to be finished. But that would then probably need to be just the assessment of the granularity of those things. What's not on cruise control about that annual conference? Why is it still on your mind? What's, what are you waiting for? You need to follow up on, light, fire, kick, butt about, you know, what is all that? And so that inventory of what are all the open loops relative to these projects, oftentimes that's where the improvement opportunity is, is, is drilling down into the granularities of that and say, well, what's got your attention about this? Anybody who's responsible for a big conference like that should not have that conference on their mind. It should be on cruise control. So all you have to do is say who's accountable for that and then ask them. So what's got your attention about this and why does it have your attention and what do you need to do to get your attention off that? There's usually an inverse relationship between on your mind and getting done. So you don't have to go very far to see where to apply the getting things done or the GDD principles. It's just, hey, what's on your mind? Why? What do you need to decide about that? What do you need to think about that? What do you need to do about that? And where do you need to park the results of that thinking into either a person or a system that you trust? I know, Alex, this sort of rolls down to the duh factor. <laughs> duh. Stuff needs to get done. Right. Stuff, and, and they don't need to be finished, but you need to be appropriately engaged with it. Are you appropriately engaged with refreshments at the conference? Are you appropriately engaged with entertainment? Are you appropriately engaged with the venue? Are you appropriately engaged with security? Or, you know, come on. I'm sure you guys and people listening to this have some sort of a checklist or template that they're using you know, to make sure that the different aspects of the conference are going on. But then somebody needs to be reviewing all of those areas of focus and attention and accountabilities for any of those events on a more proactive, probably on the front end basis and say, what do I need to do about that? What open loops are there about that? What are any next actions we could take right now before the heat forces us to? Yeah, doing that checking back in, and especially when you're talking about something like a major conference where there's so many moving parts and you're planning months in advance, you might think that something is taken care of, but if you're not checking back in on it through a weekly review or something like that, that you're making sure you're tapping into all those, those, those pieces of this larger project, something might come by unexpectedly. And that's, uh, that's another good reason for meetings is check in, status checking about that and just noticing what's going on. So that can, that can roll down to some, you know, very important and, and even very granular stuff. You know, do you need a daily stand-up meeting if you're, the conference is next week, you know, and you need the six or 10 people that are critical to come in every morning and go, okay, guys, you know, what's up, what's happened? Because a lot of things, you know, kind of show up. And so the ability to deal with surprise and change is oftentimes where the biggest problem is. Oftentimes things spin out, you know, you had a vendor that suddenly craps out on you, doesn't show up with their right stuff or doesn't get back soon enough. So it's all, you know, managing all of those kind of changes. So again, whoever owns this, whoever owns the outcome or the sub outcomes they're accountable for has to decide themselves 
how often should we review, reflect, check status, you know, about what's going on. That may be daily or it may be monthly. Mm-hmm. Or it may be, you know, these are all on cruise control. We've done 65 of these, you know, and, you know, everything's fine. Right. But especially in a, in a field like conference planning, where once the rubber hits the road, the event's actually taking place, surprises are kind of part of the, the job. So having something like this, where you really have a system in place to capture these to-dos as they're happening would be uh, particularly valuable, I would imagine. Of course, absolutely. And you plan your own events as well. There's there's uh, the Global Summit, I think it was last summer that your organization had. And h- how is that when you're actually creating your own events that you're planning? I partnered with two guys who yeah. are really brilliant at that. And so I was able to delegate, you know, most of all of the logistical and all the nitty gritties of that to, you know, two guys who are, who are total professionals at doing that. They're the guys who manage both marketing and logistics for the next web, which is sort of the largest tech conference in Europe or one of them. And so these guys are really good. And so that, that was my solution to it. I still had enough of my own stuff that I had to deal with about getting the right speakers and communicating with them and then collaborating with my two partners in terms of the content of the event. That's not my business. I'm not in the conference business. And that was a, a fairly unique kind of one-off event to do. So you know, I wasn't going to do it unless I found somebody who I could trust could manage all that. Yeah. And from a, a getting things done perspective, what do you think was the it, it was the value of whether that event particularly or just in general gatherings like that where you're getting people together? What do those have? What Why are meetings like that important face-to-face events? What's sort of uniquely valuable? About there's them? magic when two or more are gathered on the same with the same kind of purpose and values. There's oftentimes serendipitous value that shows up. So that's part of it. Part of our reason for it was building and, and sort of solidifying the GTD or the Getting Things Done brand since we now have global licensees around the world that we've certified as trainers and coaches that are building their own businesses, delivering my methodology. And so a lot of it was to support them, to let them know, hey, this train has left the station, guys, and you are part of a much bigger game than you may have realized. You know, I had 40 speakers that all came on their own time and dime. Yeah well-known folks that were all friends of mine and huge champions of this methodology. And so for the people around the world who came, you know, we had a thousand people sort of engaged in the conference. And a lot of it was just to help pat them on the back and say, hey, guys, you've you made a good choice. <laughs> you know, this, this, is a, this is sort of a global event that's going on. So that was our unique reason for having a conference. But, you know, Alex, you know, coming back to all of that, it's been very valuable to me as a consultant and working with a lot of people to talk about meetings. You know, there are five reasons for meetings. And that there'd be five reasons for a conference. There'd be five reasons for any kind of a reason for people to get together with other people. Reason number one, give information. Hey, I brought you all together because I need to let you know X, Y, Z. Reason number two, get information. Hey, I brought all you folks together because I need to know X, Y, Z. You know, I need to find out, you know, get input from you. Reason number three, develop options. Hey, guys, we need to think about how many different things we could do for this conference. We need to just generate all kinds of things that we need to be aware of, things that are potentially relevant, you know, to what we're about. Reason number four, make decisions. Okay, guys, I brought you all together. We have the data out there, but by three o'clock this afternoon, we need to decide X, Y, and Z. And so I need, you know, all of your help. We need to get consensus on how we do that. Reason number five, 
warm human contact. (laughs) We haven't, you know, we've all been so virtual out there working from home or working in our desk or whatever. It's kind of nice to let's all get together, have a beer, have a pizza, and just enjoy the serendipity of, you know, human beings getting together. So any one of those five reasons could be a good enough reason for a meeting as long as you're clear what it is. Some people come into a meeting expecting to get information. Some people come into the meeting to develop options. Some people come in there to make decisions. Some people just show up because they want to hang out with folks. And if they all have those different purposes, they want to shoot each other at the end of the meeting. So (laughs) you need to clarify which of these. And sometimes you want to do all five. Hey, guys, I'm going to give you some information. I need to get some information. We need to develop some options. We need to make some decisions. And, hey, we want to just hang out together and, you know, just get some time, you know, with human beings together. And it could be any one of those. So maybe that's helpful for people to have a little bit of a checklist. What's the purpose of this meeting? Which of those five, you know, maybe two or three of those are the reasons for the meetings. That's very, very valuable and useful if people aren't used to, you know, thinking that way. I think that caps things off quite nicely. It's it's a lot of great points and we've covered a lot of ground, but is, is there any other final thoughts you have about applying GTT to meetings and, and how to make meetings run with more of a purpose, more outcome focused. Well, many times, Alex, a meeting is held because individuals are not holding up their part of the game. And everybody thinks that if we get together, maybe this will get solved as opposed to, you mentioned before, you know, sometimes people are uncomfortable, you know, making decisions about who's supposed to do this. What's the next action on it? And many times meetings are held because somebody's not holding up their game or some things are falling through the cracks that an individual should be accountable for. So when all the individuals are actually applying GTD, you need much fewer meetings and they are much more conscious, believe me. And oftentimes meetings are just, are are held to try to fix cracks in the system as opposed to dealing with the people who are the source of the cracks in the system. Thanks so much, David. I really appreciate you taking the time and lots of great stuff to think about. Yay, my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation, Alan. Thanks for listening to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. Be sure to rate and review us and subscribe. Check back for new episodes soon.